Good morning. Welcome to Pleasant Street. Please rise and body your spirit and let's worship God.
may be seated. Good morning and welcome to Pleasant Street Church. Welcome to our special children and youth service. Um, you may have noticed that things look a little bit different this morning. Do you want to say good morning? Good morning. And we have lots of young friends around doing some different things like greeting and welcoming and singing and all sorts of things. And I think this is the first time we've really done it this way, and I think we want to do this again. Um, so as you came in, you got something special, I hope. Mine's over there, something rolled up. You'll need that for a special part in our service. And um, also, you may think I look a little casual for church, but I go along with the VBS theme for this week. This week we will have, let me get my notes out, we will have 65 kids from 14 different churches, some unchurched. We will have 45 volunteers from eight different churches here. It will be a crazy, fun mess here, and we are going to love it. And are you going to be here for VBS this week? Yes. Is it going to be fun? Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to let Pastor Matthew add on some yeah. announcements. If I can join you guys here for a second, good morning, everyone. I'll add my words of welcome to you as well. Thank you for welcoming us, Eleanor. Um, a couple of things I want to highlight for you, just about other things happening in life in our church. The first is that it is hot and the good news that I have about that is that starting next week, after the conclusion of VBS, we're going to be moving to the Fellowship Hall uh, for other hot Sundays this summer. So uh, next week, just so you're not alarmed, when you walk in, we'll be doing church together in the Fellowship Hall. The added benefit to that, if you need another one besides air conditioning, is that we'll be that much closer to the coffee afterwards, right? So it's just one-stop shopping right there. So anyway, that's something I wanted to let you know. The other is that later in August, first, Sunday in, first Saturday in August, we have a missionary who we've partnered with for many years who is coming to town, and we are really excited about an opportunity to hear an update on Steve Frieswick's work, and we also have a chance to share some food together on Saturday morning. So we'll be co-hosting a breakfast with Fairlawn that'll also be in the fellowship hall in the same spot you'll be next week. Please do join us for that. And if you could sign up, it would help us to get a good sense for how many people we can expect. So that sign up is, believe it or not, also in the fellowship hall, which seems to be where all of the action is happening. Last thing I want to highlight for you is we're looking at our, um, we're thinking about our youth uh, and our young people today. And we are thinking about the coming fall and a new season of ministry. I wanted to let you know uh, that we are still looking for and eager to find middle school uh, youth volunteers. If you're interested in that or you want to know more, please come talk to me. You can talk to Sue Cooper as well to hear more about our hopes and plans for that. I think that's everything. Steve, is it you? Yeah. Go for it. So I'd like to invite our friend Cullen to come up front for our call to worship. In Christ, the God of heaven has made his home on earth. Christ dwells among us and is one with us. Highest of all creation, he lives among the least. His journeys with the rejected and welcomes the weary. Come now, all who thirst. 
and drink of the water of life. Come now, all who hunger, and be filled with all good things. Come now, all who seek, and be warmed by the fire of love. Please rise and body your spirit. God, our longing for your kingdom is often too weak, and especially when our own kingdom has a good year. We want your kingdom to come, but not right away. We pray your kingdom come with a small voice. Lord, enlarge our vision to include all the desperate, all the crushed, and all the hopeless of the world, for whom the coming of your kingdom is their only hope. Strengthen our conviction that is our only hope too. Then let us pray to you again, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this all as Jesus taught us. Amen. And friends, join us in this call to confession. Dear Jesus, I want to be a Christian in my heart. I want to be a Christian in my actions. I want to be a Christian in my words. I want to be a Christian in my whole life.
help me to be more loving to you and to others. We come to church and we get to confess to God. And let's take a moment now and bring these confessions to God in a silent confession. Hear these comforting words, friends. If you repent and believe in God's redeeming mercy, your sins are forgiven. Trust in God's promise and begin anew your life with God and all people in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Our morning offerings this morning are for the ministries here at Pleasant Street, and our second offering will be for the NAC Food Pantry. We're also going to be playing a video from the Straight Ahead Ministries. Uh, this is not part of our offering, but this is a ministry that we support here. Um, so this ministry is, um, it exists to see Jesus Christ transform the lives of justice-involved youth. So let's pray. Dear God in heaven, we thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your provisions and all the gifts that you have given us, Lord. We pray that as these baskets come around, and the money that we give will help to further your kingdom, Lord. We'll grow your kingdom here in Whitensville and all across the nation and the world. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was really uncomfortable, and I didn't understand what was going on. The first time I got locked up was when I was 13 years old. I felt pretty alone. I felt sad. I felt anger. I was I was just hurt. I was a, a, a child, a hurt child. I, did, I didn't know how to act. I, I didn't know how, how to feel. I used to get locked up for running away from home when I was 14, and that's when um, not only I found out that I was going to be doing a lot of time, I also found out that I was pregnant. Um, which is very scary because I was, I, was still like, I was still a kid. What stirred my heart was um, my daughter's uh, journey with her drug addiction. As I was at church one day and, and, and heard the guest pastor speak about, you know, looking for volunteers to do a Bible study for youth in lockup is kind of when the light bulb started to go off. group of friends that several of them actually ended up in lockup. When my pastor approached me about the opportunity to go into the facilities, I had an immediate yes, absolutely yes. And I think my yes came from a desire to really be to others what I didn't have in that season of my life. He was the only guy who came to, to, to actually ask me what was going on. Every time he came, I used to go to the Bible study because that was my friend. Now I trust him. Now I feel like I got somebody, you know, somebody I could talk to, somebody I can express myself to. And when they came, they told, they, they told you what they saw. And even if you didn't understand, they would give you time to fully see yourself the way they saw you, the way God sees you. 
they're very honest and I appreciate that so much because it gives me the liberty also to be honest and be transparent and through that there's a connection and a bond that's formed. It's been exhilarating and, ins and inspiring and it's made me a better person and I'm supposed to help make the young men better but I think they're doing it for me. The sun.
Friends, when we come to church, we confess our sins, we hear this assurance from God, and we also get a chance to pass the peace to each other. So this is a real way of us sharing Jesus' peace on earth. So friends, look around. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's spread that peace. With the peace of Christ is with you. And bring your paper tubes up too. And kids or anyone high school and lower. So come on, high schoolers. We need some help with this thing. Come on, we didn't practice this, so we definitely need some help. Is that all the kids? Come on. Don't miss the fun. You'll be sorry. Come on, Henry. We need you up here. If we have some real young at hearts that want to do this, you're welcome to come. This side of the sanctuary is Israelites. You're Philistines. We need some. <laughs> we need some help. So in place, when they run, move your feet. Let's try it. You are good runners. Now your tube is a sword. Woo! All right. We challenge each each other army. You're going to use your sword. Are we ready up here? We need a few more Philistines. Yeah. Oh. All right, good. Okay, give. All right, good job. We'll take everybody we can. All right. I think by now I'd know the story, but. Your swords are tucked in your side, so you just hold them at your side. Okay. Yep. Philistines, you watch Kate. Israelites, you can watch me. All right, are we ready? Okay. The Philistine army. Come on, get your sword. Whoa, 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 whoa. They camp on one side of the Valley of Elah, and the Israelites woo, camped on the opposite side of the valley. Every day, Goliath, the Israelites go boo, and the Philistines go. Now remember, not some of you are cheering for the wrong army. Make sure you know which side you're on. Goliath would come out with his helmet on. And his shield and his sword. He taunted the Israelites to send a man. Come on, come on, Philistines, taunt. Okay. That they would send two men out to fight, and the losers would be the servants of the winning side. Every time Goliath came out, the Israelites trembled with fear. Come on, let's show some fear. They would run and hide in their tents. 
David was instructed by his father to go to the army and bring food for his brothers. Well, hey, we're not fighting yet. You're afraid. Why, there Goliath gave his usual taunt. Shake your sword, Goliath, all right. David heard this giant, and he was almost 10 feet tall. David asked, who is that? The soldiers answered, he's Goliath from Gath. David said, who does that giant think he is? How dare he talk like that to God's people? Saul and David's brothers, okay, the Israelites, this is your turn, tried to talk, tried to talk him out of fighting the giant. But David knew he had to fight anyone who defied the armies of the living God. David walked into the valley. Well, take your stones, David. David walked into the valley and picked up five smooth stones. Goliath laughs and yells, am I a dog you come after me with sticks? David continued to come. As Goliath began his attack, David ran towards Goliath, put a stone in the sling. I suggest people standing in front of Goliath move aside. <laughs> put a stone in the sling, sent it over his head, and aimed it at Goliath. <laughs> The stone hit its mark, and the giant Goliath <laughs> fell to the ground. David ran over to finish the job. The Philistines ran away in fear. And the Israelites ran to chase them. <laughs> David saved the army of the Israelites from defeat and was declared their hero. But the Lord God Almighty gave them the true victory. Okay, you may go back to your seats. And thank you for... That was wonderful. Please rise and body your spirit and let's sing a song. <clears throat> Only a boy named David.
You may be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Brett Buma. I'm one of the elders here, and uh, I will be leading us in, in prayer this morning. Uh, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it is good to be in your house this morning to worship you. This is a day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Quiet our hearts and minds. Help us to be still and know that you are God. Forgive us for the times when we put ourselves ahead of you. You are the creator and sustainer of all things, and you have known us before we were born. We did not choose you, God, but you chose us. And while we were sinners, your son Jesus died for us, and we thank you for that gift of salvation. We thank you that we can come to you in prayer. You tell us to not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, to present a request to you. Almighty God, in the chaos and ungodliness of this world, we are comforted to know that you are in control. It is you who has established the earthly authorities. We pray that they will govern in ways that are pleasing to you. Lord, we pray that you will bless the Vacation Bible School coming this week. Be with Kate as she leads this ministry. Grant her wisdom and patience and joy this week. And we thank you for the many volunteers who will be serving with us. We ask you to bless them in the, in the work that they will do. And we pray that the children attending VBS will come to know you more this week. May it be a joyful week for everyone. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many volunteers here at Pleasant Street who lovingly give of themselves to serve others in so many ways. They are living Christ's life as they serve and are a blessing to our church family. We pray that you will bring forth someone to help with our middle school youth so that this ministry can continue to flourish. Work in our the hearts of those who are considering this, uh, becoming a part of this ministry. Father, we ask you to be with Pastor Matthew and his family as they will be on vacation this week. May it be a time of relaxation and refreshment for them. Protect them during their travels and return them home safely again. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask a blessing, blessing for those within our church who have health issues. We ask for grant healing to those who will be undergoing or uh, are currently undergoing cancer treatment. We think of Hank and Jack and Rick and Greg and Richard. We pray that you will bless them, Lord. Grant healing to those who have illnesses who are, who are suffering from pain. We pray for those who are lonely. May they know that they are part of your family, and may we reach out to them in friendship and in love. We ask that you remember that those in our congregation who are not able to worship with us here today, and to those who are homebound, we ask you to bless them and embrace them in your love. God of love and mercy, comfort those who mourn the loss of loved ones. Lord, grant them your peace, the peace which transcends all understanding. Lord, we pray for those who don't confess the name of Jesus so they will come to know him and his love in a special way. Holy Spirit, work in their hearts. We thank you that Annalise and Aaron were united in marriage yesterday and, and for Angie and Zach, who were married last week, bless these couples as they begin a life together. We pray that you will strengthen and protect all of our, matter, all of our marriages. Lord, we give you praise that Oscar can celebrate 93 years today. Living God, we thank you for your word. Spirit, we pray that you will be upon Pastor Matthew as he proclaims your word to us this morning. May he do so boldly. 
Help us to receive Christ's word this morning. Father, as we begin a new week, help us to live our lives in gratitude for what you have done for us. And may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans 14, verses 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. We add, um, we add to all the joy and excitement that we've had together today a chance to hear from God in the Bible. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, the Bible is your book, and it's full of important but sometimes very difficult to understand words. They were written a long time ago, and sometimes we wonder, what do they mean? And what do they mean for us? And so we ask, O Christ, that you would come and that by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us in our hearts and in our minds, so that with our ears and our eyes, we can see and hear you and know what it is that you want for us to be doing and to remember together who you are and who we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my friends, this is a very exciting Sunday, and uh, you've heard it before, but I'll add it. We, um, VBS is starting this week, and uh, that's a team effort for all the churches in town. Um, but we get to play a special role in that. We get to host. And so as the host church... Uh, we also have an opportunity today to do a little lead-in to VBS, and that's why today we've changed some things around and why we've been focusing on some of the themes that they'll be talking about in VBS together this week, which is focused on a verse from Romans, which you've heard, and the theme of heroes. But before I can go any further, I would like to share a story with you. And so this is a book that in our house we've been reading every once in a while, and it's one that's really struck me, and so I wanted to share it with you today. I hope that's all right with you. It's called Coral, and it's about mermaids. In the sunlight, in the sea, three mermaids made their home. Coral created the reef itself. Philly looked after the little fish that found food and shelter there. Manta raised the sharks and rays that fed upon the fish, keeping the reef in balance. And so their home was whole and well, while each one shared their part. But one day, as Coral made her way among the caves, she came upon an empty hollow hidden in the very heart of the reef. 
And as she sheltered there from the busy shoals above, an idea took root with Coral, and she began to think that she should keep this haven for her very own. No nibbling fish, no rushing rays, just the sunlight and the sea and Coral. So when Philly found her settled there, Coral's face grew pale, for in her heart she did not want to share. And then close on Philly's tail came Manta stirring up a cloud of sand and Coral's temper too. Filling up with white-hot anger, Coral cried, Enough! You've ruined everything, she shouted. I don't want you here. But there's room enough for all of us, said Philly as she shied away. Manta moved aside with her. We make our home here too. I make the reef, Coral countered. All you make is a mess. Her heated words broke over them in waves, driving Philly and Manta from the heart of the reef. Coral planted herself stubbornly in her place. But all that grew in the wake of her anger was a feeling of regret. No nibbling fish, no rushing rays, just the sunlight and the sea. Coral knew then that it was she and she alone who had ruined everything. And that alone, she could not set it right. Reaching out to Philly and Manta, Coral called, Please wait. I can make the reef, but I cannot make it a home without you. Joining hands, they shared a smile. And so it was that Coral and Philly and Manta returned to the heart of the reef. And in the sunlight, in the sea, three mermaids made their home. Together. I really like this story because, um, well, it's about three people who are together and they have something, what is it? They have peace together. Harmony. Actually, in the Bible, we use a much bigger word called shalom. Everything is right in the world. Everybody has a role to play. But then, of course, it falls apart. And the reason it falls apart is because one person thinks that they are more important than the others. And when it falls apart, the consequences are that everyone feels alone. And everything feels wrong and it feels broken. Now, we are not mermaids. Right. Last I checked, anyway. But I think that this story tells us something that actually all of us understand. And that's really why I like it, even though I like mermaids, too. This story is about something we understand, all of us, anyway. Why is there so much fighting? Why is it that peace and harmony can fall apart with just one person 
and it can be lost very easily, and then at the same time, it can be so, so very difficult to put back together again. Well, it turns out that even though this story is uh, a fiction, it's not real, the Bible is also a story, and it is a real and true story. In fact, it is the real and true story of us. And the Bible starts at home. And it starts in a garden where God and people and the world itself are all in harmony. And they are at peace. They have shalom together. But of course, that doesn't last very long, does it? Why? Because Adam and Eve see something that they want, which they aren't supposed to have, and they take it. And everything falls apart from there. Sin enters the world, and the first, one of the first things that happens as a result of that is that people start blaming each other for their problems. Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. Both Adam and Eve sort of suggest that all of this was God's fault somehow anyway, and he really just should have set things up differently so this couldn't have happened. And you know, we've come a long way since then, and yet we still see these same kinds of things in our homes, in our schools, in the news. Have you ever seen anyone fighting? Have you ever seen anyone arguing in your home or at your school or maybe in the news that your parents watch or hear on the radio? Of course, it's not just something we see. This is also something we do. It's summertime. And that means that for some of us, we're home now, right? Have you found that there's been more arguing since everyone got home again? Now, why is it? Because all year, I remember as a kid, I used to look forward to summertime and coming home. I just wanted my time to be my own. And yet, it seems like the first thing that we do when we get there is we just use all that time to fight with each other. Why is there so much fighting? We struggle to know what makes for peace. And you know what? Even Jesus' friends struggle with this too. There's a place in Matthew chapter 18 where Jesus is walking with his friends and he hears them arguing. What are they arguing about? Well, they're arguing about who is the most important. They're trying to find out which one of them is the smartest or the strongest or the bravest or the best because they want to know who Jesus loves the most, and they assume, of course, that it would only be the strong or the brave or the smart or the successful who could be Jesus' favorite. Disciples get confused about these things. In fact, that is sort of what's going on in the letter that Paul writes to a group of Christians in Rome. The Roman Christians come from very different places when Paul writes this letter to them. Some of them are Jewish Christians and some of them are Gentile Christians and they are having a very hard time learning how to be friends. You see, they speak different languages and they eat different food and they celebrate different holidays and I don't have to tell you that all of those things are very, very important because they need to know which language should we speak. Which holidays are the most important? Which kinds of food matter the most to God? But actually, this is not really the, the, the source of their disagreement because actually the real issue is that there are some Christians in Rome, strong Christians, who think that the most important thing is for them to have their freedom. 
They think that uh, they should be able and can, in fact, eat whatever food they want, speak whatever language they want, celebrate whichever holidays that they want, and it doesn't matter. And there are some other Christians, the weak Christians, who think that actually the most important thing are honoring the rules that God has given us and that should still be true about what we eat and what holidays we celebrate. Now, if you were at home and you walked in on a conflict between siblings, between strong and weak Christians and a family, what might you do? How might your mom or dad solve something like that? Would you try to pick the winner who's right and who's wrong? I know that I would. Sometimes I do that in my family too. But this is not what Paul does. You know, it's interesting if you read these verses in Romans, Paul does not tell them which are the right holidays to celebrate. Paul does not tell the Christians which foods they should eat, which languages they should speak, or which songs they should sing were the best way to celebrate the Lord's Supper. He doesn't tell them who's right and who's wrong at all. Instead, he reminds them what is most important in God's family. And what Paul reminds them is that what is most important in God's family are the things that make for peace. He says that in the kingdom of God, the place where God is totally in charge, it's not a place where the food that you eat or the holidays you celebrate are the most important thing. In the kingdom of God, what is most important is not what you are free to do, but what you use your freedom for. And the most important person in God's family is someone who lives this way, who looks for ways not to be right or wrong, but helpful to others, who instinctively puts their brother or sister first, their friends, their parents, their teachers, their bosses, their employees, their neighbors, even their enemies. The most important people in God's family are the ones who put other people's interests first. They are the ones who are big. They are the most important because they know the things that make for peace. Which is all fine and good. Of course, you may have a question in your mind this morning. What does any of this have to do with David and Goliath? What does any of this have to do with that wonderful pageantry that all of us just looked at together? And that's a very good question. Well, David and Goliath is a hero story. Did you know that? You probably did. That's why all of us learned it as kids. It's a hero story, and it's a good one. We know hero stories. Heroes are people that we put on the walls in our room and we watch their movies. Heroes are people that we look up to. They do the things that we wish all of us could do. We want to be like them. That's why we call them heroes. And yes, David kills Goliath, and that is very heroic, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that David is not the hero that any of us would have chosen. David is the smallest. David is the youngest David is good for nothing else except tending sheep and bringing his brother's lunch. 
And yet, God uses David to freeze, to free Israel from a terrible enemy, to free them from the Philistines who were horrible and everybody lived in fear of them. God uses David to make peace with an enemy that none of them could conquer. But he did it with the last person anyone would have ever guessed. And he did it with the last tool that any soldier would have ever chosen. Which is, of course, exactly the way that God himself makes peace with us, my friends. Jesus does not come to earth with an army. He is not the bravest. He does not look like the strongest. He is not the most important. In fact, the whole time that Jesus is here, most people don't even know who he really is. They barely recognize him. And yet God chooses him to be the one to make peace with us. And God does it by killing our greatest enemy, sin itself, which isn't out there. In fact, it's right here. That's where all the fighting comes from. And sin is something that no soldier, no army, and no king has ever managed to figure out how to kill except for one. And God does it in the last way that we would have ever imagined. Not by killing someone for us, but by himself dying for us. This was the only way for God to take the selfishness and the hardness in our hearts and instead to give us new and clean and soft ones. This is how God makes peace, through forgiving his enemies. So my friends, in our world, we are full of stories about heroes. The people we look up to are beautiful, they're successful, and they're so very strong. We think that uh, because these are our heroes, that if we want to be important, that means that we also have to be beautiful, successful, and so very strong. Paul reminds us that in God's family, these are in fact not the things worth looking up to at all. They don't make you strong and they don't make you the most important. Love and service does. This is what makes us the most important because this is what our hero, Jesus, has done for us. For my friends, Jesus was, in fact, the most important. He was, in fact, the strongest. He was the bravest. He is the most beautiful. He was the richest. He was with God himself, and instead of keeping all of that to himself, he let it all go. And he came here like us because this is where we live. And he wasn't born in a palace, he was born in a stable. And he didn't go to Jerusalem or Rome or the most important places, he was born in a small town that nobody had ever heard of or much less could find on a map. And he did not pick for his friends the most significant people in his world or the smartest or the bravest or the kindest, he picked people who were very, very normal. And he spent his time not making laws or working the back channels 
or gaining influence, but instead healing people who could not ever do anything for him and had no other help of ever getting better. And he died, a death so terrible that everyone in the world was afraid of it. And he did this because he was thinking of you. And he was thinking of me. He loves us this much. Even though we, my friends, are very small. Why did he do this? So we could all come home again. So we could have a home with God and a family to share it with. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, it is so wonderful and very hard to understand that all of this is more true than the best storybook we've ever written or read. Help us with your Holy Spirit to know and to believe that this is the truest thing in the world and that it's more than true. It is good news that you have given straight from your own mouth to us because you love us, because you want us to know that we matter to you and that now we have a family and that right now you are putting all of the sad things back together again. Help us to be people who pick up pieces and help. Amen. Would you rise, friends? Let's respond to God together.
Jesus' only Son, and all praise to the Spirit who makes us one, and they'll know we are Christians by our hear and participate together in the good news that God is making everything sad come untrue again through Jesus. And we get to participate in that. We also get sometimes to say some very big and true words about this. We're going to say the creed together. It's got big words in it. If you don't know those words, that's okay. Uh, I learned it when I was 26 for the first time. So it's okay if you don't know it yet either. The words are on the screen. Let's say it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, I have a holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. When Jesus was walking with his disciples, many people sometimes wanted to come and see him. And one time there were a bunch of children who were coming and wanted to get close to Jesus. And the big people, the disciples and others, thought that, they, that Jesus wouldn't have time for these folks. And so they tried to push these kids away because the teacher was very busy and he had other things to do. Well, Jesus stopped them right there and then. And he said, please don't hinder kids from coming to me because they are the most important. And if you would like to know God, you should try to be like them. And the good news about that, my friends, is that kids have been leading the way for us all morning. And so, my friends, whether you are young or old or somewhere in between, I'd invite you to lift up your eyes, to open your hands, and receive God's gift, his blessing. Kids, after all, are gift experts. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's sing. Kate's going to be passing out some egg shakers if you want to join in the festivities.
Go now to love and serve Jesus Christ. Go in peace.
darkness. 